Welcome to the To Be Honest podcast. Today, we're talking with Jessica Zhang, who is a 24-year-old student in the Bay Area for graduate school pursuing a PhD in biology. Outside of academics, she enjoys fighting and martial arts, hiking outdoors, and finding nice spots to eat and drink coffee. She also happens to struggle with depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and generally making sense of this confusing thing called life. Welcome, Jessica, to the podcast. Hi, thanks. <laughs> to get started, I like to ask every guest, to be honest, how are you doing today? All right, to be honest, I am exhausted right now. <laughs> I'm preparing for a huge presentation that unfortunately with anxiety, <laughs> I tend to, to procrastinate. So now I'm <laughs> having to deal with the consequences of that. But regardless, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, hopefully you can like power through and then, you know, get lots of rest after the presentation. (laughs) Um, So to start off, I did want to talk about your experience with mental health. um, And you've expressed to me that you have experienced depression. um, And so I just kind of wanted to start by asking, when did you first notice you were feeling depressed? Um, I'm, I guess I'm like, not sure when I like, noticed I had a word for depressed but like growing up uh I was bullied as a kid a lot uh I grew up as a person of color in a predominantly white neighborhood and I think like one of my first memories was uh as like a kid in preschool-ish I was bullied for just having like not speaking English as well as the other students and just looking different so I would guess like that was the first time that I really just had my like reality like shattered in the sense it was like, wait, why am I like being made fun of? Like what's wrong with me almost? Like why are these people just like gang up on me for being different? And I think at that point that was like when I first started to feel symptoms of depression because it was like it ended up being just tied to like my worth in a sense did you at that point did you recognize like I think I'm depressed or did you just kind of know like you were feeling a little different or off I don't think I knew that I was depressed but I have it's like one challenge that I'm like working through like in present day is like remembering a lot of my childhood uh, which I believe I've learned is like a pretty fairly common response for people who have like emotionally blocked off parts of their life. So um, there are times where it's hard for me to remember uh, what I was feeling, especially since like, I don't think I had like a good toolbox for like understanding emotions. So I guess it's like, I don't, no, I don't think I like recognized there was like something like depression going on, but I knew I was unhappy. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I wanted to bring up, um, you mentioned that you were bullied. Um, I was curious how that impacted you um, or how did that add to how you're feeling at the time? I think one thing was the bullying kind of just made me feel like, oh, I'll never fit in. So as a result, I... Um, put a lot of time and effort towards trying to fit in 
And it's almost like trying to solve like this impossible puzzle. It's like, I'm never going to look, I'm never going to look or have the same life experiences as my peers. But it was just kind of like running against like this unsolvable, like problem of fitting in. So uh, it's like, it definitely made me feel more like a, failure when I couldn't fit in and now like looking back it's kind of like I have like I can recognize that of course I wouldn't fit in like it like there's no way that could have been possible but I think in my mind like that was my best like coping mechanism to try but as a result like the constant like inability to fit in only heightened like my feelings of inadequacy and like made me feel more depressed. Uh, I'm not sure how much anxiety I felt as a young, like when I was younger per se, but there was definitely like this tendency to want to control things. So I never, I don't think I experienced things like panic attacks, but, uh, the definitely like the wanting to be able to have more control over myself was a common thread. Yeah. I feel like that's so common too, with it's a natural reaction to things kind of out, externally being out of control. Um, you just want to feel like something within your life is in control. Um, so I'm curious, how did you cope with those feelings at the time? So I wasn't really taught like how to sit with my feelings. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was just never part of my vocabulary growing up. And like in my family, like we didn't talk about emotions too much. Like, for example, if I was like crying in public, I would just get yelled at almost. So I largely turned to food for coping. Um, and like one of the reasons I think was like a meal time was like when my parents and I would actually like consistently spend time together, but then we would kind of like do this thing where we would rush through like eating as fast as possible to just like go back to work. So there wasn't like a huge amount of quality time. And I think like in retrospect, like, my parents were probably also using food as a coping mechanism. And I learned that behavior from them. Um, But like food kind of sort of served this like complicated, like self sab like self-sabotage cycle for me where it was just like, Oh, if like, I don't feel good about myself on the inside, I'm going to like eat so much that like I, get overweight and this was like back like when I was growing up like the norm of like the beauty standard was like the stick thin like actually like underweight model but that was like people were striving for in a sense uh for the most part so I was like surrounded by that and it was just kind of like oh if I like feel bad on the inside I'm gonna make myself like look worse on the outside and like continuously like eat beyond like what I want to eat, eat like food that would give me like instant like comfort and gratification in the moment. And then 
like as I gained more weight, I would be bullied more, which would just kind of reinforce like the cycle of like, oh, I'm going to eat more food to deal with like how unhappy I am and like how I felt like I didn't fit in and then just being different in general. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. I know probably not easy to talk about some of these subjects. So I appreciate you being so open about it. I'm curious when was there a point where you decided like I need to seek help? Um, and how did you go about that? If I were, if I was like left to my own devices, I don't think I would have like sought help really. Um, like I wouldn't have made an active effort. Unfortunately, like one thing that like came with, uh, developing an eating disorder was when I like, so at one point I like decided it was like, Oh, like my logic was like the best way to fit in is to be skinny. So I'm going to restrict my food and increase like how much I work out. And like, as I lost weight, like I got more compliments. Um, So it kind of was in my mind, it was like, oh, I'm finally doing something like quote unquote, right. (laughs) Finally getting more accepted. So it's like, I'm going to continue seeking this external validation almost uh but in the end it was like it did go too far and like uh my parents like were getting concerned about like how little I was eating and like to them I was like looking really like skinny and like gaunt at some point and they took me to the local hospital where I was like actually hospitalized and diagnosed with anorexia nervosa and uh I like I remember like when this happened to me, I like try to keep it hidden from my classmates as much as possible. But I think for the most part, like one of the saddest truths that I've come to accept is like, no one really noticed, like not many people really noticed that there was like something wrong. I think, um, I think it's like, yeah, it's like maybe like, getting to that point was like my, the only way I could have like sought help with like what I, the tools I had, like resources I had, instead of saying like, I need help, something's wrong. I had to like reflect it on my body. So someone would notice. So did you, um, did you, sorry, I can't remember if you mentioned that you sought treatment for, um, the eating disorder as well as your mental health or how did that, how did that go? So I was hospitalized for being like very underweight and just being basically like on the like uh, brink of like not surviving essentially. Uh, so what happened was I spent like two weeks in the hospital hospital, I think. And that was just purely from like, a physical standpoint where it's like, okay, like let's stabilize like your pulse. Let's get you like hydrated. Let's get you like nutrition, like let's like, let's get you nutrients. Um, but, and then uh, one thing I like learned last year was I did skip a lot of like the actual mental health component of like, eating disorder recovery. Uh, I learned that like typically after like a year ago, um, as an adult, I learned that typically people will 
transition from like intensive hospital care to like uh, partial hospitalization, which like features like a lot of group therapy modes. Like you're still like having a very structured kind of day. Um, and for whatever reason uh, that I don't really know, uh, I did not like go through like the typical route there. Um, uh, typically like after being discharged from that, uh, like the partial hospitalization, then you get set up with like a therapist to meet with weekly and a nutritionist or dietitian to like manage your eating in recovery. Um, and I remember like talking to a therapist twice and hating the experience so much like it was almost like more detrimental to like me that I didn't continue therapy and only continued with the dietitian um so in kind of a sense it was like uh I it's like and I don't assign blame to anyone because we don't like we didn't know what was like going on but um I know my family, like, once they saw that, like, my physical, like, body was improving, then I would be, I was fine. But, like, in the end, uh, the eating disorder was more of a symptom of, like, underlying depression and anxiety. So, uh, for whatever reason, like, I never really, like, tackled that head on, like, at the time. I did want to talk about mental health within um, the Asian American community and within the household as well. So I know you kind of mentioned that if you're on public and you would cry, you were yelled at for that. So um, as a teenager, did you feel as though you could talk to your parents at all about mental health? Not really. Like, first of all, we didn't have like a way to communicate about that really. Like, like what are feelings essentially beyond like the very like bare bones, like happy, sad, angry. Um, and then there was like the whole stigma against mental health. Like I know in like my culture, people with mental illnesses are just designated as like crazy. And it's like thrown around like as an insult. Uh, and like, as I've mentioned before, it's just like, we, didn't realize that something like an eating disorder could first of all exist. And then secondly, like that it was more of like a sign of like depression and anxiety and like actually like the eating disorder itself was just like how it manifested as like a comorbid, uh, comorbid thing, I guess. <laughs> As you went through your treatment, were they supportive? Like, did you feel like you had a support system within your family? So this is one of those things where I don't remember a lot about personally, like uh, from childhood, but I think there was not much discussion around my, like, um, like my emotions, like going through um recovery i think my parent i think my parents did like seek outside resources and help and like were able to uh 
be understanding of like how difficult it was to like recover in a sense but i think there was one i think there were like some parts where it's just like why can't you just eat more almost but overall it was like very overall they were very supportive i'm curious what you that's kind of a big question but what do you think can be done to address the cultural barriers and stigmas that exist in the asian american community in regards to mental health so I am now seeing an Asian American therapist and like personally for me, that's been really helpful since they like understand more of like the cultural baggage and barriers that like come with our upbringing. Um, I think like in general, uh, the whole like model minority like stereotype is like very harmful as well. So like an understanding that that is like harmful as opposed to like something to strive for. Uh, and like, like that is like one of those things where it's like for the sake of like appearing, protecting our image, like we like have to look good all the time. And I think it's like one thing to unpack. It's like, okay, like can't be perfect. Can't be perfect. um i think like just overall it's like we need more people with like an understanding of this like context as well as like from the historical perspective it's like why like lots of like asian cultures adopted like very intense coping mechanisms to deal with very intense trauma (laughs) um i think that understanding will help if someone listening lives in a household where mental health is not openly talked about um or maybe it's not an accepted topic do you have any advice for what they could do to start the conversation and or seek help i found like a lot of support in online communities um Mm -hmm. for example like there are facebook groups like for like uh young asian american adults to discuss mental health issues. And I like think it's been very helpful to have like group members that can like relate to like these very unique, like, or like these not um, it's like kind of shared humanity and like a similar upbringing. That's still Mm -hmm. unique. Yeah. (laughs) Being able to like uh, share my perspective, but also hear others perspectives has been super helpful because just like simply like seeing like having someone like see and validate you and it's like oh yeah like me too is like super super powerful yeah that's really cool i never thought about looking online for a community like that so do you have me asking like how you went about finding that community there's like something on facebook called subtle asian traits and it was kind of like a way for like asian americans to like gather and uh kind of just like joke around about like what it was like to grow up Asian American. But then like they had a bunch of spinoff groups that like, it's just grown in popularity to like, I don't think like anyone expected it uh, like that, like the admins of like that group expected. And some of the spinoffs are like subtle Asian mental health, for example. And like, and it's like, that's one of the more serious ones. And there are other things like just subtle Asian, like food, (laughs) 
That's really cool though. Yeah. That's a yeah, great idea. I wonder if you, everyone could just do like a Google search even for like yeah. Facebook specific groups. Um, so I think that's a great idea. Do you think that the stigmas um, will eventually improve within the Asian American communities? I would love to say like, yes, <laughs> it's like it will improve, but I'm not like entirely confident in that answer because it's like, I think a lot of like Asian communities are stuck with like very traditional like methods towards like managing mental health, which is stuffing it down and like, don't talk about it. (laughs) Um, And I think like a lot of Asian communities had to do that to like, like survive. And it was just a necessity. And now it's like, they don't necessarily see the need to change and seek better. It's kind of just like, uh, it's like, it's worked for me in the past. So like, why not like continue it and like not really seeing that there is like a different way of living, which like, to be fair is like something I didn't realize before I like went through my own like mental health treatment, like stuff. So I do think I do have more hope for like the younger Asian American community who like, especially the ones that grow, like grew up in the U S and we just happen to have more, like we're being exposed to the concept of mental health more than like our parents, for example. And that being said, it's like, uh, I know it's not like fully destigmatized in like this country either, but I think it is more discussed in general. Yeah, I feel like even in the last couple of years, people have been a lot more open about mental health. So I'm hoping it kind of like trickles into all parts of our society eventually and through generations, you know, we'll see a, a change in that. So it's just a normal topic. I was kind of like hesitant to like generalize it to like the Asian American community because I think it's like, I've noticed that it's like, it's more widespread than that. I just think it's like, I, it's like, I do have, it's like, I, I do have a lot of hope for like the future generations. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how you kind of cope and take care of yourself. Um, And I want to talk about your interest in martial arts. So I'm curious, how did you first get involved in martial arts? So I first started doing boxing for fitness throughout high school. Um, And then for my undergrad, I went to the University of Michigan uh, and I tried out and joined like the university's club boxing team. So like for clarification, it's not like a NCAA recognized sport, but like the club sport status is like the highest for uh, boxing, like on the collegiate level. Um, and then when I got to the university of Michigan and like tried out and made the team, that's when I started competing. Um, and being on the team was like a huge part of like, my college experience. Like I was on the team like for all four years of undergrad. Um, my junior year, like my biggest accomplishment was winning a championship belt in like the collegiate boxing world. And then my senior year, I was the president of the team. And like, as a, it's like, if you told me that, like when I was like 
before any time before like uh undergrad I would have been like no <laughs> like I could not have imagined that mm-hmm. um and now that I've like moved to California after graduating um I've started to learn Muay Thai which is like traditional Thai kickboxing and like the national sport of Thailand um so so far I've competed once in a Muay Thai bout and uh, I'm looking forward to competing more in the future that's really cool how did you first get into the sport I mean I know you mentioned like in high school but was there anything that first drew you into it I like really don't think I know like confidently why it's like I know growing up I kind of found like those video games with fighting like kind of entertaining and like I know like my dad and I would kind of like play Russell so like that's like some form of like physical martial arts activity I think it's like my parents were just kind of like throwing everything at a wall and seeing what would stick in terms of like finding like an activity I would enjoy to like maintain my like physical health. Cause especially when I was more like in the quote unquote overweight, like diagnosis, like based on like doctors, uh, like standards, which are messed up, but that's like a totally different, (laughs) that's a totally different conversation. But, uh, I think they just, I think it was kind of just like, oh, like, why not try boxing? Like, it's different. Like, let's see if this works. And it did. So it's like, I don't even know why I first started until I tried it. But like, I've stayed. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And how do you think it helps uh, your mental and physical health? So in terms of physical health, uh, it is a way of being active and doing something that I enjoy to be active where it's like, yes, I am working out, but it's not like, uh, it's not like the more disordered compulsion exercise that like I would associate with eating disorders a lot. Um, but in terms of mental health, I think like that is not like super evident from an outsider's perspective, but, uh, like, one thing that martial arts has helped me with a lot is like mindfulness, um, especially like being focused on like one task at hand. And then also I've appreciated how it's let me be in like tune with my body and understand my body and its mechanics. So just like getting a greater appreciation for like what I'm doing. Um, And then Another like super helpful part like for mental health aspects is like having a community that's like working towards a common goal and just having like teammates who are like super supportive, understand like how hard everything is and are just there for me, you know? Yeah, that's super great. Yeah, I'm glad you found that community. Um, I think that's so important to have a support system, whether it's like friends, family, whatever it is. Um, and I I think it's so interesting too that I've talked to a couple other people on the podcast who are either like dancing or like you are into martial arts. And it's really interesting, the connection. Like we always say like, well, the kind of like cliche thing to say about your mental health is like to take care of yourself. Like you should like be active. But it's also like, I like how everyone has mentioned, like, it's a way for you to be in tune with your body to kind of understand your whole body better. It's not just about like 
getting your heart rate up, you know, like it's about, it's more than that, which is really interesting. How has having a mental illness changed you? I think like a lot of days, including like yesterday, I was just like, why do I have to be the one with the mental illness? It's like, why do I have to be on? It's like just sitting with my thoughts. It's just like, I'm unhappy. And like, I don't like that. I'm unhappy, you know? And I know it's like in my mind, it's like, it's not fair, quote unquote, but like, uh, I have to embrace the fact that like this mental illness is a part of me and it's like shaped me into who I am today. And like one of my Muay Thai coaches like reminds all of us and especially me when I was going through some more difficult periods of my life where it's like all of life is about like facing adversity because adversity is inevitable. Mm -hmm. So we have to like uh, try and shift our perspectives to say, let's embrace the opportunity to face adversity, to grow from it and overcome it. So I think like in a sense, like we're all fighting in our own ways in different ways and having a mental illness has just made me appreciate like my desire to like fight that much more. I think that's so awesome. And I think, everyone could probably relate to that in, on some level because we all face adversity in our life, um, big or small. So I think it's, yeah, having a mental illness is just another thing that we kind of have to, like you said, embrace and, and kind of see the positives of it, um, to get through. So also just kind of like accepting that it's like, everyone has like a fight that they're fighting. It's just, it looks different for everyone. And it's like, exactly. Just being, open-minded to like everyone's differing like reality (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. that's great yeah I like that a lot yeah so thank you so much for being on the podcast um I'm very grateful that you were so open and honest about your experience and before we go I just wanted to ask if there's anything you want to promote or share or yeah the floor is yours (laughs) (laughs) um if anyone wants to reach out to me i'm happy to talk more on um my instagram account is hey jay zhang i don't know if that was something that i should just type up or like just post somewhere in the end but uh it's like hey like hey how you doing and then like the first (laughs) initial my first name and then my last name so i'm happy to talk more with people about like my struggles what I enjoy in life, any of the fun stuff, any of the hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for offering that. And we'll, we'll put your um, handle in the show notes. Okay. For sure. So people can always just click on it and then they can, it'll go right to your Instagram. So yeah. Thank you again. It was great talking to you and meeting you and I hope we can connect again in the future. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. Take care. The To Be Honest podcast is a creative platform that enables youth and young adults to share their personal experience with mental health to help normalize the conversation around this often taboo topic. To Be Honest is a program of Momentum for Health and is supported by District 4 Inventory Funds, Republic Urban Properties, and BetterHelp. To learn more about To Be Honest, visit tobehonest.today or check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. 
The To Be Honest podcast is hosted and edited by Avery Cruz, as well as edited by Peyton Dillahay. Music for the podcast was created by Julia Steele. For more information, check out the episode show notes in the streaming platform of your choice. Happy listening.